turn to God's Word. If you have your Bibles, uh, we'll be reading from 1 John chapter 4. Uh, just in a few moments, so you can open your Bible and just wait there. Or just if you don't have a Bible tonight, you can listen uh, to the reading of God's Word. It's 1 John chapter 4. We'll turn to just in a few moments. We're going to pray. And then I just want to talk for a few moments about what the Lord has put on the heart for tonight. Amen. Father, we just come before you tonight and we pray that you would have your will and your way in this house tonight. That you would meet everyone, Lord, at the point of their need. We thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You do not change. We thank you, Lord, that your heart is towards people. Lord, that's why you came into the world to save sinners. And Lord, we pray tonight, you know every head that's bowed in your presence. You know every heart. You know every thought. Lord, we pray tonight, Lord, that you would move by your Spirit among us. And Lord, that you would truly touch and change lives, not for time alone, but for eternity. We ask that you would give us help tonight, Lord, to bring your word, Lord. Would you touch these uh, clay lips tonight, Lord, with the living coal of the altar. And Lord, we ask for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this meeting tonight to flow among us tonight, that river of life that would touch lives tonight, that would break every bondage, break every chain, set the prisoner free. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This uh, message that the Lord has just put on my heart, I mean, just throughout the week, I, I came across a, a, a wee article, and it was telling us uh, just about the experts say that there are 10 million people in the UK that suffer from phobia or anxiety. That's 10 million people. That's one in seven uh, people across the United Kingdom. One in seven, if there's, if there's 70 odd people here tonight, then... That would mean that there's about 10 people in here, if the statistics are true, that suffer with anxiety or fears. And you, you will have probably know, the first time I heard of anxiety, I uh, was in second year in, uh, in Leiden College. And uh, I was sharing this the other day with Lydia and Emma. And, and that's the first time I ever heard of a phobia or understood what it was. Uh, after the summer months, a friend of mine came back and was genuine and that he had a phobia called school phobia. He was afraid of school, but we believed it was contagious. And uh, <laughs> it spread through the whole class. Everyone was off the next day, you know. And, 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 and I know there's a, a, there, there's a humorous side to this, but um, <laughs> I thought it was great. I said, I got that too. So I was in Oxford Street every day for the next three or four years of school. And sorry, Mother, I'm just confessing. That, but... Uh, but it was very real. I've seen this young lad, you know, at, he's standing in the middle of a car park. There's a social worker there. And no matter what they would do, and physically trying to restrain him and make him come to school, whatever had happened in his mind, he just basically couldn't come in to the building. But as the years have gone on, like you know, in the world that we all live in, today is it, it's, it seems to be that everywhere there is a sense of a spirit of fear. And I'm not an expert in any way. I'm not a medical person. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. But I, I do know the great physician. His name's Jesus. I do know him. And, but what a day we're living in where people are so gripped. And it's real. I know we can have... Uh, 
I've got that humor in that, but but it's so profoundly real in so many lives that people are living in fear. And every Christian in this place tonight will have experienced fear of some sort in their life and a spirit of fear that is very real. I want to share this for a few moments. That there's a power, and this power is in the love of God. And the power that's in the love of God casts out all fear. And that's the love of Christ. And this is the gospel. This is the gospel message. And this is a love like no other love that you can ever experience. The love of Christ. 1 John and chapter 4. 1 John and chapter 4 and verse 14 says, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. What an amazing truth. That's the born again experience. When you confess Christ as your Savior, when you repent of your sin and give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, God dwells in him. And then it says, and he and God, what a combination, what a truth. And then it says, and we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. And God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we might have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. And verse 18 is a very well-known verse. There is no fear in love, but perfect love, that's God's love. What does it do? Casteth out fear. Because fear has or hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. I want to speak for a few moments very simply on this great love, the love of God. To experience the love of God, to experience the love of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. When Christ died on the cross, he died there because of love, because he loved us. When Jesus came into the world, he came into the world because he loved us. It was a love mission, the love of Christ for all mankind. The Bible says some things about the love of God that we may be very familiar with, but I want to read some verses tonight about this love in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. If you follow these verses through or you listen to the reading of God's <laughs> word tonight, I believe that not only do we want to preach the word you know, the Bible says that signs and wonders follow them that believe and follows the preaching of God's word. And I believe tonight that I want to give a room for the Holy Spirit to minister in this room tonight because those that are living in fear or in anxiety or phobia or experiences tonight, I want to tell you, God wants you to experience his great love that casts out all fear. And so at the end of this message, I believe the Lord would have us to pray for you tonight. 
Because one of the great weapons of the enemy, before we just go through some of these verses, I want to let you know is, first of all, isolation. That, that you're the only one experiences this. You can't share this. You can't talk about this. And it leaves people in a prison. The first thing that's important is that the enemy's exposed that he's a liar and he's a thief. Second thing is really important. Not only do we come and we open that, but number two, and I know there needs to be a trust in that. It's not confessing your sins or anything to a man or it's talking to God. But the second thing that's important is that we pray. There's power in prayer. I know the third thing's really important is that we praise the Lord. So we come from that place of isolation, we expose the enemy, we pray one for another, the body of Christ prays, pray one for another, the Bible says, and then we begin to thank and praise the Lord. Because what happens when we praise the Lord? He inhabits the praises. So if God's here, I'm going to tell you, fear's going to go. Fear will go. So Ephesians chapter 2, just looking at the love of God for a moment, and verse 4 it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins. Thank God he loved us, even when we're dead in our sins. Turned our backs on God, run from God, had no time for God, yet he loved us. And it says, For even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. In John chapter 15 and verse 13, it talks about this great love. John 15 and 13, it says these words, Greater love had no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus said, you're my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you, greater love. There's no man in this that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for you and for me. Not wonderful. He laid down his life. Jesus, listen, think about it. I know we say it. I know we know it. I know we hear it. But think about it for a moment tonight. Jesus Christ laid down his life for you and for me. That's what Calvary's all about. It was for you. Praise the Lord, and it was for me. John chapter 3, I'm, I'm sure we all know it. And verse 16, for me, these words tonight, may God, the Holy Spirit, take the reading of God's word. We could say it backwards probably in this country. But may God, the Holy Spirit, take this verse and these words tonight, and may he bring it alive in someone's heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. He so loved him. He so loved the world. He so loved you. He so loved me. He so loved the world. That he gave his son. Greater love, greater love has no man than this that a man would lay down his life for you and for me. 
Revelation 1 and 5, it tells us there, unto him that has loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. He loved us. Jeremiah the prophet, Jeremiah 31 and 3, talks, we talked about this great love and greater love. And now we talk about an everlasting love. The Bible says in Jeremiah 31 and 3, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, this is what happens. This is what he did in many of our lives. Therefore, with love and kindness, I've drawn you. The drawing power of the Holy Spirit is the love of God. It's because God so loved us that God begins to draw us. Do you remember the times before you were saved and when God began to deal with your heart in conviction of sin? And do you remember as he began to draw you with his great love? You maybe didn't understand it. You maybe couldn't put it into the language that we speak in, in church settings. But you knew that there was a drawn by the love of God. And you knew that you were being drawn by the Holy Spirit. And God the Holy Spirit was drawn and softened your heart. And you were being warmed by the Spirit of God that was in your life. And you were being drawn to the cross. Something that you couldn't necessarily explain with words in our own language. But there was a drawn by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God draws men and women. And God draws young people. And God tugs on the heart of men and women and young people and boys and girls. What is that? And let me tell you what it is. It's the love of God. It's God that's drawn you to himself. Because he's not willing that any should perish. But he loves you that he gave his life for you. That he laid down his life. And he begins to draw on your heart and draw you to himself. It's the love of God. I don't understand it. I don't know how it works. As the wind is blowing from this fan behind me tonight. In the natural sense. The Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit that the wind bloweth. And we hear the sound thereof, and we don't know where it's going and how it comes, but God, by the Holy Spirit, begins to draw your heart. And God is speaking, perhaps, to your heart tonight. And you maybe don't understand all the language or what's being said, but you're sensing the drawing of the power of the Holy Spirit, drawing you to Christ, drawing you to Calvary. What, what is that? That is the great love of God. The love of God. And this is an everlasting love. The Bible says, who can separate us from this love? This love is entirely different to the love that we'll find in the world today because naturally we only love people in the natural, in the worldly sense. The world only love who love them. If you love me, I'll love you. Isn't that the word? This is the worldly terms. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 and verse 32, For if ye love them which love you, what thank of ye? For sinners also love them. Those also love those that love them. In other words, I'll, I'll like you or I'll love you, but this is the world now. Well, only if you love me back. But that's not the love of God. <laughs> he loved us while we were yet sinners. He loved us. When we were dead in our sins, when we turned our back on him, 
when we had no time for God, yet God loved us. Isn't that wonderful, the love of God? The verse that we read tonight in 1 John, chapter 4 and verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love, that's God's love, it casts out fear. There is no fear in the love of God. The verse states that there is no fear. That word fear is where we get our word phobia. The primary word phobia, to be afraid or exceedingly filled with terror. Have you ever come to a time, brothers and sisters, and, and those that don't know the Lord, think about it for a moment. But have you ever heard of a time where there are more people experiencing fear? Have you, can you ever remember a time that, that, that today it's, it's everywhere? Every type of fear, I looked up how many phobias are there and it just went on and on and on and on. And this is real. This is real. I know there's extremities in the world in the system of what they'll do and labels and everything else, but there are many people that are living trapped in a place of fear. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 21 and verse 26. See this, what we are seeing and experiencing is a fulfillment of Scripture. It's actually been prophesied and told by the Lord of what will happen in the last days. And this one verse, Luke 21, 26, it tells us this. Man's heart, man's hearts are going to fail them for fear. And for looking after those things which are coming off the earth. For the Bible says that the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Many people know that. Now we're living in a day when everything that can be shaken is being shaken. Do you agree with them? Yes. Can you see it? Can you see the fear? The fear on the streets? The fear in people's lives? We see it across nearly every day and every newsreel. We just hear this. All these Stories that are coming bombarding us and men are filled with fear. Don't know where to turn or who to turn to. And this is a fulfillment of the days of which we have entered into as we approach the final, the finality of time, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's going to be a period on earth like there hasn't been before. The Bible tells us that Jesus told us. Men's hearts will begin and within them to fear. They're afraid to live. And they're afraid to die. They're afraid to live and afraid to die. Imagine a life afraid to live and afraid to die. The Bible talks of a love that reaches into a life. That casts out all fear. Because fear has torment. To be tormented. 
The English word simply means to have severe mental or physical suffering. There's a power of darkness that's behind that fear. It's a real power. It's the power of Satan. He knows his time is short. He knows he's got a little time and a little season. He knows that Christ is coming. He knows the end is near for this short time. He will unleash everything to destroy the hearts of men and women. Many live in a perpetual state of fear, living in torment. The power of darkness, of course, is a satanic power that seeks to destroy a life and condemn you to a lost eternity without hope, without Christ. People live in fear, fear of yesterday's failures and what happened in our past. Living with that today, living in the reality of yesterday's failures or the things that have happened in our lives and living in that sense of fear. Fear haunts us. People wake up every morning in Balnehenge and across this land, wake up with the fear of today. Wakening up every morning with the fear of what today holds. Many live a life in the fear of tomorrow because of the sense of hopelessness. The devil, the devil will get so many tormented in their minds. Now listen, listen, this is a real subtle one. They're so tormented in their minds because of the fear of the present that they can't think of their eternity. Many people have you talked to today, not interested in prayer. You talk about their life after a few moments and they're living in a constant state of perpetual fear and they're doing everything to try and drown that fear and drugs and alcohol and every type of vice. But you mentioned eternity. I don't want to talk about eternity. Why? Because the subtlety of the enemy is to distract them from the reality of life, of death, of eternity, of heaven, and of hell. We don't want to hear about hell. We don't want to hear about judgment. The fear of our tomorrow. The hopelessness, the torment. You know, the biggest lie of the devil is to make people's lives so miserable that he tricks them into thinking, listen, that it's going to be easier if I die. It's going to be easier if I find a way out of this. And we have seen it. Seen it all across our land. Suicide is ravished. Our streets and our cities because the enemy tells people the easiest way out for you is if you weren't here. I want to tell you, that's a lie from the pit. It's a lie from the pit. He makes their life feel like hell and tricks them into thinking that the only way out is death. We're here to tell you tonight, brothers and sisters, friends who don't know the Lord, and young people who, I want to tell you, just be very honest, who live in fear. I'll tell you what you live in fear about. You live in fear of what people would say if you get right with God. That's a fear. 
the tree. Those who are saved and have been young, would you say amen? Because we do know. And so the enemy tricks us into thinking that what they say, what they think, you'll be mocked, you'll be laughed, you might be. No guarantee you won't be. But the the twist in that is the for you to delay getting right with God. And even though you know that God's dealing with your heart and drawing you to himself, and even though you feel the sense of God and the love of God that draw you back to himself, the fear is compounded in your heart and in your life because you're worried or fearful about what others will say. I want to tell you something, that's a lie. And it's a trick of the enemy to hold you and to keep you from coming to Christ. And if you sense tonight because no man can come unless the Spirit drawn. But if you know in your heart or in your life that the Holy Spirit's tugging in your heart tonight, I want to encourage you. You make that step for Jesus and he's no disappointment. He's no disappointment. He makes lives feel like hell, but it's not hell. Listen, it's not hell. Remember many years ago speaking to a man, he says, my life's like hell. And it, on the surface, I know what he meant, but it wasn't hell. No, there is a hell. There is a hell. There is a place beyond this realm of time called heaven. There is a place called hell. In Mark chapter 5, the Lord arrived, and we know the story so well. The Lord arrived on the Land of the Gadarenes, we find a man there in Mark chapter 5, verse 2. Jesus came out of the ship immediately. There met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters tonight, and all of you that are in this room, that there are still unclean spirits today. There's still unclean spirits today. And they have a power, it's limited, but they have a power and their purpose is to destroy lives, to torment lives, to ruin lives. Now look at the effect of this unclean spirit in this man. We see him living in tombs. We see that nobody could bind him, not even with chains. He had often been bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters were broken in pieces and no man could tame him. In other words, nobody can do anything for this man. I tell you, brothers and sisters, how many people, how many people live like this man today? Where honestly, it seems as though that what we can uh, write over the top of their heads, no one can do anything for him. But praise the Lord, there's one that can. Because maybe there's a few in this room tonight. Maybe there's a few in this room tonight. And at one stage, someone has spoke over your life. No one can do anything for him. And tonight you're here, you're saved. That's the part of the gospel, isn't it? And here's a man that's crying night and day in the mountains, in the tombs cutting himself with stones. Brothers and sisters, the spirit that's unleashed in these last days, a spirit that is destroying 
people's lives with every type of phobia, every type of fear, and every type of condition, bringing to the place of self-destruction. But thank God, Jesus came. Amen. Jesus came. And this is the love of God to reach into a man's life or a woman's life who's find themselves in a place of hopelessness, tormented with fear. And no man can help you. But there is one. And that man's name is Jesus. And this man, all those unclean spirits and every part of the enemy was delivered out of this man by the power and the authority and in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we read of this man that he was found clothed. He was so important. And in his, he was in his right mind. Do you know there's one fear? One fear, and I mean this in a reverence way, but there's one fear that I want to close with tonight. That if you're not saved, you should have. You should have. You know, the Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, understanding. But this fear, so often today, we don't find it. We don't find it in our streets. We don't find it in our open ears. We don't find it even in the church, the fear of the Lord. But there is one reverence that a man should have. Jesus spoke about it in Luke chapter 12 and verse 5. This is what he says. I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him. Which after he hath the power. Which after he hath killed. Has the power to cast into hell. I say unto you. Jesus said. Jesus said you fear him. After he hath the power to kill, he's the power to cast in the hell. Jesus said, Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Who has that power? Who's that authority? You see, the Bible tells us it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, there's a judgment day. Remember what we read about the love of God? It gives us a boldness on judgment day. Because we are in God and God's in us and the love of God dwells in us. It gives us a boldness on the day of judgment. Why? Because he's our father. He's not given us the spirit of fear, but the power of love and of a sound mind and the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, that gives us a boldness on the day of judgment. But what about this fear? Jesus said, this fear you should have. Fear him which after he hath killed hath the power to cast into hell. Brothers and sisters, many a preacher and believers today are in no doubt as we close that we are living in the very last moments of time. You may say. 
We've heard that nearly every week from that platform. When you probably will hear it every week until the Lord comes. But there has never been a day like this in which we're living in. The reality of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The reality of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The soon, the soon coming of the King. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Almighty God, Jesus Christ, is coming again. He is the judge of the whole earth. The righteous judge. He is the Almighty God. He is coming. His eyes are like fire. The word of the Lord comes forth from his mouth like a sword. His hair is as white as wool. He is coming in all his glory and all his might. And all his power and all his majesty. Jesus is coming. And we have hope if we're saved. Why? Because God dwells in us and we dwell in him. And the love of God is in us. And it gives us a boldness on the day of judgment. Because of his love. That's what gives us a bonus. But then he comes as the great judge. Let me, let me make this very simple as we close tonight. The great white throne judgment. It's not a fantasy. Listen, it's not a fantasy. It's not a furry tale. It's not something just added in at the end of the book, just to add it in to fill out the pages. The great white throne judgment, where God, Jesus, sits upon the throne and will judge this world, is a reality. You stand there that day. You do not know the Lord. You'll stand there that day. Listen, just for a few moments. Because we love you enough to tell you the truth. We, could, we do love you enough to tell you the truth. You'll stand there that day at that great white throne. Christ is on that throne. In that moment, the reality, the reality, it's real. And honestly, this thought, I was afraid of what people would say. I was afraid of people would mock me. Maybe they will. I was afraid of what my friends would do. I was afraid I could be left on my own. Friends, and I can I just encourage you. That's a lie from the enemy. To damn your your soul. To take you to a lost eternity. Without Christ, let me tell you something. There's no fear in love. If you give your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ tonight, if you surrender all to Him, that love will come into your heart. 
And you know what will happen? That love will drive out all that fear. And that will give you a boldness. Because when you taste and when you see and when you experience the love of God, when you know the love of Christ, friends, you're not worried about what anyone says. You know, in the Song of Solomon, I pose with this, talks about, it's about a lover, two lovers, one is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he comes, he comes to the door. And beyond that door, the woman is wakened. There's an awakening just in that life because she knows just beyond that door. Can I just put it like this? It's just like the Lord's at the door of someone's heart tonight. And you know that he's there because you sense when somebody even in the natural is coming to your door, don't you? Somebody's coming to the door and you're awakened by that. And in this, there's a, a beautiful picture of the Lord that's coming to the door of the heart of a man or a woman or a boy or a girl. And they're awakened. In other words, the Spirit of the Lord awakens your heart. And again, you sense the love of God that's drawn you. Because he loves you, he's drawn you. And you're awakened that he's at the door. Can I tell you, friend, tonight, those that aren't saved or those that are far from the Lord, I believe there's someone here tonight that the Lord, and you know, he's just at the door. You know it's the Lord that's drawing you. You know that in his great love, he's not angry with you because he's merciful and he wants to draw you to himself. And then it says, it is the voice of my beloved that's knocking. It's him. Think about it. It's Jesus. You know, you know, friend, tonight in this room, it, the Lord's just knocking at the door of that heart. It's the Lord, and it's the drawing of the Spirit. Do you know what he says? He says, open to me. Just open. Just open the door. Let him in. Open. God speaking to someone. Young person, older person, doesn't know the Lord tonight. Turn from the Lord and the Lord merciful. He's at the door. Will you open tonight? Will you open? Let him in for this love, his love, cast out all fear. Let's pray together.